Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone. Happy Labor Day. First of all, I hope that everyone listening to this is not at work and you're like sitting next to a pool and you made a Bloody Mary with your seaside grown Bloody Mary mix and you're just sitting next to the pool, you're chilling and you're thinking, man, I want to hear what Mac and Kelly have to say about all of these ACC losses. Hello, Mac. (laughs) How are you? You just had to get that one in all these (laughs) ACC losses. Man, what a rough weekend. Uh, for for us, for this conference, uh, for for the Tigers, for UNC, my man, it was uh, it was tough. But hey, guess what? That happens. It's a long season. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of football left to be played, and a lot of growth, hopefully, uh, that we'll see. But guess what, Kelly? We don't have to guess anymore. We don't have to predict. We get to tell you guys exactly what happened and what we saw. So that's what I'm excited about because uh, because that's where uh, we can get really good at what we do. We finally have something to analyze, which is great. And we're going to start with our big four. We know, of course, Louisville and Ole Miss have not played yet. So we're going to talk about Clemson, Georgia, UNC, Virginia Tech, and Alabama, Miami. We are going to hit on every game, at least say something about every ACC game from the weekend. Um, So why don't we just dive in? I mean, let's dive in with Clemson and Georgia, the Dukes-Mayo Classic. Number five, Georgia defeats number three, Clemson, 10 to three. Mac, this game, how do I put it? Mm, It was hideous. I think it was hideous in many respects. And look, Georgia gets the win. Credit, all the credit in the world to Georgia and Georgia fans. But if you're Georgia fans, I'm not sure you're feeling great about your team. I think, look, both defenses were excellent. They They were excellent. Those might be the two best defenses in the country, but both offenses really struggled. Mac, let's just start with your overall thoughts on that game. Well, you, you, you say how hideous it is. If you're a defensive person, this was the best game you've ever seen in your life. But Kelly and I, Kelly and I do, do not appreciate that side of the ball. But what it, it was a masterful, masterful performance by, uh, you know, both of these defensive coordinators. And, and I'll start with Georgia and what they presented to Clemson, especially to DJ Uyunglele with a they, they ran man two. And if you guys know what that is, that that's every single person from corner, linebacker, maybe a nickel uh, corner there is in man-to-man and then two deep safeties. Basically saying, you're not going to beat us deep, you're not going to have any big plays, and you're going to have to make tight window throws. And for whatever reason, DJ just couldn't figure it out. He, he, he was confused. He didn't know where the reads were. Um, he, he had very happy feet in the pocket, which we did not see at all last year. Um, and honestly, I think was just overwhelmed and he's a young player. This is his third start ever. And it was just against probably what's going to end up being the best defense in the country. So when you look at that and you look at what Clemson was able to do severely limit, you know, Georgia in the run game, you look at, uh, Georgia's passing yards per an attempt. It's right around four yards, three yards an attempt passing the football. Uh, So they kept everything in front of them as well. And so two great performances by defense, two lackluster performances by the offense, but certainly uh, more so the Clemson side and and very unexpected, KG, uh, especially when we were looking at these matchups on the perimeter, thinking Clemson's wide receivers would kind of overwhelm Georgia. Uh, That wasn't the case because he didn't have time and he didn't make decisions quick enough, DJ. And uh, ultimately, 
defense won the game. How about neither offense scoring a point? I mean, that's Ugh. crazy to me to think about. Right. Yeah, I don't like this. This gave me uh, LSU Alabama vibes from like 2009 or 10, whenever that you know terrible game was. So uh, I, th- I thought we blast to the past for a second. Let's talk about the O line, which I know Mac is is uh, what everyone's talking about right now. And you know what's fascinating with DJ, you and I hit on this in our preview episode, I believe on Friday, how both of these quarterbacks, both JT and DJ, were receiving a lot of hype. And look, neither of them played very well. I think the thing you can give JT Daniels the credit for is he avoided the big mistake. He avoided the pick six, and and the pick six was the, the differentiating factor in this game. DJ ended up passing for more yards. But what's so puzzling about DJ is it's not like this is the first game we've seen. We saw Notre Dame. We saw Boston College. He was incredible in both of those games. So was the big difference in your mind, Mac? Was it the O-line? Was it Georgia's ability to get more pressure than Notre Dame and BC? Like, it's just so odd, I think, for Clemson fans and maybe even more frustrating because if you hadn't seen him, if you'd never seen him start a game, you'd think, all right, a lot of work to do. But you had seen him start, and you had seen him play really well. So what was the difference, Mac? What's the difference between Notre Dame, DJ, and Georgia DJ. Yeah, and I think we could all say the same thing for Sam Howell, too, which is yes, crazy. Yes, we're going to get two, to that game, yeah. Yeah, th- these two fantastic quarterbacks, and really three if we throw JT in there, that if, like you said, if this was the first time you had ever watched them, you said, man, these guys are mediocre at best. I mean, very average, if if not bad. And, and so I think to answer your question, Kelly, the, the it's a combination of three things. Number one, the offensive line did not do anything to help DJ out. And now there were certainly times that there was a clean pocket and DJ ran straight into a defender. Uh, There were times where the offensive line missed horribly and missed targeted and didn't slide and didn't shuffle uh, and pass off games. But the the second biggest factor was that man-two defense, that that DJ just didn't know how to react to it. And and he didn't know where to go quickly and, and how to beat it. And the third thing, ultimately, which is why Georgia was able to stay in this man-two defense essentially the entire game. I'm going to watch it and break it down and you know really get some hardcore numbers, but he didn't run the ball. Yes, and Mac, that's what was so puzzling to me. And I texted you during the game, and I said, because, you know, Mac is a guru. I'm like, Mac's going to tell me, because my husband and everyone else around me is freaking out, but Mac's going to tell me what the deal is. And I said, Mac, how much of this is on the O-line and how much is on DJ? And you said 50-50. And he wouldn't run, like, and there, there were times later, there were times in the fourth quarter where he did tuck it. He would get six. He would get five. Why do you think he was so hesitant to run when that pocket was breaking down? I'm not sure. But but it was blatant, you know, 20, 30, 40, maybe touchdown runs that he could have had. And, and this is the difference between if Trevor Lawrence was there, they would have ran that defense maybe five times because he would have destroyed it. He, he would have ran and you wouldn't have been able to touch him. And so... I don't know what the hesitation was. I don't understand why he didn't just take off. And maybe, Kelly, the only thing that I can think of, and this is nothing inside knowledge, this is having no conversation with anybody, we didn't know if Tyson Pumachan was going to be able to play. So there was no depth at quarterback. I am almost thinking that in fall camp, DJ was told not to run. There were no design runs. So he is for a month, two months, has not run the football. And and so maybe that's just ingrained or was ingrained into his 
brain to where, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to sit here and try to pass the ball. So yeah, that, I mean, that's the only thing that I could think of. He clearly has ability. He's going to be a fantastic talent. N- none of that has changed, uh, but a really tough night and, and a tough night for that offensive line as well. But the biggest thing I think looking forward for Clemson, you're not going to see that on your schedule until you get to the postseason. Yeah. You're not going to see a defense like that this, this entire year. Um, and so silver lining, but at the same time, you know where you are and you know how much better you need to get if you're given another opportunity to play a caliber team like that. Which in some ways is kind of frustrating because you don't have a chance to prove it. You don't have a chance to prove that you've fixed the issues. But um, in the end, you just got to take it one week at a time, beat the opponent on your schedule and see where things shake up. Because the weird thing is no one, and Mac, I repeat it, no one who's ranked, who was at least in the top 10 that we've seen play so far, has looked really impressive except Alabama. Oklahoma almost lost. Uh, Ohio State struggled against Minnesota. Iowa State struggled. So everyone has looked somewhat mediocre. And I want to ask you this, Mac, before we we are going to talk about UNC Virginia Tech, we got to give the Hokies a ton of credit, which we will do. But I tweeted this um, a couple hours ago. We're, We're recording this on Sunday. And I said, I feel like this Clemson offense has become less creative less it's become more generic it's truly relying on okay we're going to try to hit guys deep we're going to rely on on back shoulder throws we're really not giving our athletes putting them in positions to make plays in space which I think Clemson used to do a lot of um Trevor Lawrence's freshman year and I would say the offense maybe has gotten a little less creative over the last couple years this is not just something that's happened in one game I even saw Dan Orlovsky's tweet that said Clemson's scheme is just not good it's not good it's not helping its players what do you make of that, Mac? Yeah, I think that in the combination of poor offensive line play and the combination of going against a great defense made this perfect storm of where it's it's super easy to say that. You know, I think when you look at concepts and and you look at what they were trying to do, or if we were in the booth or or had the you know the headset on and we knew what the calls were, but th- there was just no like time for things to develop and for, for DJ to make the decision correctly and quickly. I mean, there were so many times where he's throwing the ball at somebody's feet. He's throwing the ball at somebody they're not even looking. And so it just felt like this perfect storm of miscommunication. But I'll agree with that, Kelly. I think there certainly needs to be more flavor, more pizzazz, and you know, try to do something when, when you're in such a bad rut. And another thing that, that really stood out to me with the offense was we knew that Clemson was not going to be able to run the ball effectively. Now, I didn't think in a million years two rushing yards would be the total number. Yeah. Uh, but only they just give up right, on it completely. Only abandoned. nine rushes in the entire game by a running back. That's that's bizarre to me, and uh, you know it's something that Clemson's going to have to figure out, and they will. And uh, but the the kicker, like I said, is they're they're not going to see anything like that for the rest of the season until they get to postseason. I want to ask you quickly about Georgia, and then let's go. Let's talk about UNC and Virginia Tech, and then we'll um, hit on Bama, Miami, and then we'll hit on every team. But it was weird to me because I was in the, I was at the game, I was in the stands, and the Georgia fans around me were were hyped. Now, look, a win is a win. Like I'm not taking a win away from anyone. A win is a win. But if I'm Georgia, I'm looking at my team and I'm thinking. I mean, you can't, you're not beating Bama with that kind of product. Now, maybe no one's beating Bama. Nick Saban's just ruining everything. I mean, he's like, thanks, Saban. Everyone else is looking rough. There's parody everywhere else. And then, you know, Bama just looks amazing. But 
I guess my question is, how happy do you think Georgia should be with that performance? Well, and this is what I keep going back to. I think it is very hard for either of these teams to understand and to tell outside of getting a win, which is very important, um, where they are compared to everybody else. Yeah. You know, are these two of the best teams in the country? Are these, you know, is is Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, one, two, three, best in the country? And and like we said a million times, this was a national championship, you know, snapshot and what a potential national championship could look like, which by the way, a rematch is certainly in play if both of these teams take care of business and and do what they are, you know, supposed to do in the postseason. So I think it's hard to tell, Kelly. I would be ecstatic. You know, you're getting a win over a number three team. Yeah, you a limit, win is a win. You limit their offense to no points. Um, certainly, you have very similar concerns, you know, with your team and offensive production. But I think you're saying to yourself, we're probably not going to see a defense like this until the SEC championship game because their schedule is is equally as bad. And so, you know, I, I think that um, both of these teams are walking away with things they need to work on, things they're excited about. Uh, but ultimately, uh, some 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 question marks that are still there. Yeah, and it's always the debate. We had this debate in the offseason, Mac. Would you rather open with a cupcake or would you rather open with a top five team? Well, the cupcake, you're not going to find out much, but at least you're going to feel Clemson would have rather opened with one. a cupcake, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Here's a good transition because Mac Brown said that in his postgame comments. He said, everyone else is out there playing cupcakes, and we had to come here into Blacksburg in this hostile environment and play a Virginia Tech team that – Played a lot better than we all thought. I mean, Mac, there's so many ways we could go on this game. Look, UNC outgained Virginia Tech 354 to 296. They had more passing yards. They had more rushing yards. And what it really came down to uh, towards the end, UNC was in that game. It was the three interceptions. And we talked about it. That's the next step for Sam Howell is making better decisions, A, getting rid of the ball quicker and, and you know, not letting the pocket collapse on him, but B, just not, you know, not – keeping UNC out of a game with picks. I would say his wide receivers didn't help him. There were drops all over the place. Josh Downs seemed to be the one bright spot. But give me your initial reaction to UNC underperforming, but also Virginia Tech getting a big win. Yeah, I'll start with Virginia Tech. Was over the moon with what those guys looked like in the first half and and came out on fire and really executing at a very high level. That first drive, yeah. chef's kiss. Clockwork, like, yeah. It was, it was beautiful. Unbelievable. And the the crowd, my goodness, for all you Hokie fans listening, if you were there, you guys were unbelievable. It, it was literally a masterpiece of what college football everywhere each and every weekend should look like. And, and I just, I wish we could have been there live to cover that game. It, it just looked so fun, so energetic, so just powerful for that moment. And we talked about that. We knew that's what it was going to look like. And, you know, having the pageantry back that is college football and all of us being able to be in the same stands, in the same arena, uh, cheering on our team. So kudos to you guys absolutely bringing it because I do think that you were no question a factor in this game. And and that's what, you know, Virginia Tech should aim for. Now, I know that comes with wins and, you know, you need to have a great football team to, to feel like you should be there to support that. But, it's clear as day that Virginia Tech has that type of advantage when they're playing at home. So looking at that, that was tremendous. I thought the defense, Kelly, they played better than I've seen in three years from Virginia Tech. The, the secondary, yeah, Matt. Yeah, I mean, lights Ooh. out and, and making big plays. Sacks, six sacks. And, and it was yeah. incredible to see the plan that they had with Sam where it wasn't 
let's go get him. Let's try to confuse the front. It was let's contain him and let him make a mistake. And he did over and over again. So a huge, awesome job by Virginia Tech. The offensive line looked unbelievable. I think that they have solidified themselves as the number two in the conference. I think Burmeister in the first half, Kelly, looked tremendous. I think he looked super solid. Maybe a you know, a little bit rattled or a little bit sluggish in the second half, but still enough to get it done and and really help his team. Running back by committee approach, you know, you and I discussed that and and thought that that would be the case, that you're not going to have one single guy that's going to be able to replicate, you know, what Khalil Herbert was able to do. But this is a solid team, and they they have a great foundation. They have a lot of experienced veterans back. Uh, I think my guy, uh, James Mitchell, played out of his mind and, and was really spectacular. Uh, so big time kudos to Virginia Tech. Excited to see, can you be consistent? Can you do this for a full football season um, and just get all those demons that we've seen for two years out of your system? Right. But I think right now, you can't be thinking about that if you're Virginia Tech. Like that was a huge win for your program. Your fans were behind you 100%. Winning in Lane Stadium is always difficult, but maybe is going to be even more so this year because the fans are just going to be so hyped. And, Mac, it really went back to, and these were some stats from Brian Ives, that that something's got to give with these two teams. Because Virginia Tech had not beaten, they were 1-11 versus AP-ranked teams in the last 11 years. And UNC, before the game, they were 4-13 and versus Virginia Tech since the Hokies joined the league. They're now 4-14. and so Virginia Tech has dominated that series. And Mac, on the flip side with UNC, I thought what really stood out, look, Hal made mistakes, but no Javante Williams, no Michael Carter. Ty Chandler ended up with 66 yards on 10 carries, 6.6 yards per carry, not bad. But it felt like you just, you didn't have the balance. When you had the balance, when you had those two weapons in the backfield, then you'd catch defenses sleeping and you'd have that trademark Sam Howell deep ball. It felt like the balance wasn't there. I completely agree with you, and I'm going to start with the quarterback position because I, I was uh, a little disappointed, uh, to be quite honest, with, with Sam's performance and, and really emphasized, I mean, this entire offseason, hey, this is what you have to work on to become the number one overall pick, and it was more of the same, Kelly. It was holding on to the ball. It wasn't throwing it away. It, it was making very silly mistakes when all you have to do is loft it out of bounds and, and you're just fine. And that turned into a pick that ultimately, you know, I think kind of sealed the game. Um, and, and just the the overall decision-making. We talked about it with DJ. We talked about it with JT. And now with Sam, if that was the first time that you ever watched those guys, man, that you think they're average and, and below average probably with, with the, the decision-making and, and the talent that you know is there but just wasn't – showing up. So I, I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm for these guys too, you know, starting at a crazy environment like Virginia Tech with, you know, a quarterback that hasn't played in front of a big time crowd in a year with a brand new cast of characters that, you know, probably weren't ready for the moment. You know, I think of out of everybody, Josh Downs is the only one that, you know, looked remotely ready to play. And and uh, you know, that's not going to cut it for this year. And still, you know, a lot of opportunity out there for UNC and and certainly they um, you know, can accomplish a lot of their goals. They'll need a little help, and they're they're going to need Virginia Tech to lose um, for for them to be back in the driver's seat. But you know, it's a long season. Those guys have to figure it out, and they surely will. What was so crazy about both UNC and Clemson is you played about as poorly as you thought you could play, and you were in the game with eight minutes to go, maybe maybe even five minutes to go. I'd have to look back at the at the play charts, but 
if Sam Howell doesn't throw that pick, that crazy pick where he just kind of he spun around and threw it and just happened to be picked off, and then if Clemson was able to to capitalize down the stretch and and maybe get convert that fourth down or capitalize off that interception, you might win these games still having played pretty poorly. And UNC had every chance. And like you you called it, Mac. You talked about Josh Downs going to be an All ACC guy. He was exceptional. And on the flip side for Clemson, Joseph Ngata came out of nowhere. Was exceptional. Yeah. So those are two bright spots, two young guys that really, really performed. But they were the two guys that almost, they were the only two guys that looked like they were ready to handle the moment. Right. I completely agree. And and maybe even uh, a little surprised with Ngata, you know, thinking Justin Ross was going to be the guy that, that took all the light and, and still had a, a very solid game. But um, Ngata coming out of nowhere, it, it was impressive to see and, and how that's going to translate. Let's move on, Kelly, uh, to a game that was uh, – Maybe expected. I, I certainly didn't. Th- I thought Miami would be able to hang better than they did, and maybe that was foolish of me. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but Bama just reloaded. I mean, forty-four to thirteen looked like they had been together for five, six years. Bryce Young, calm, cool, collect, uh, very quiet feet in the pocket with guys running around him. Just looked like a veteran. Looked like he had been running this offense for years with the execution. Um, how dynamic he was moving out of the pocket, delivering strikes. There were a couple of times Miami had him in his grasps, and he just gets it off, gets it away. And that's what you want to see from some of these other quarterbacks and and big-time kudos for Alabama and this staff for getting a young sophomore so ready to to do so. But the the biggest thing, and I know that the offense was impressive, 44 points, but this defense was lights out. That They were physical. They bullied Miami. All game long, Miami tried to get on the edge. They absolutely couldn't. Guys were just getting tossed back into the backfield. They tried to do things in the run game, couldn't move that defensive line at all. And so it was impressive to see just how these guys reload, how they rebuild, um, and just year in and year out. Uh, but if you're Miami, I think you're encouraged with what you see from De'Aaron King, an absolute warrior, a guy that will never quit. I think we all already knew that, but – when he's going against a team like this, uh, it, it just gets stressed even more. And, and I think that he is that guy and such a special player. Uh, was v- pretty accurate um, the entire game, connected on a couple of deep shots, um, and, and ultimately those interceptions hurt, but they, they didn't seal the game. You know, I think at the end of the day, they were just outmatched. Um, good thing for Miami is all of your goals are right in front of you. This was a non-conference game. That There's nothing that you can't do uh, even in the postseason, if you run the table and, and handle business. So Miami has a lot to be excited about. Uh, the defense, I, I thought, would have a better just control of the game. You know, I, I didn't think that Alabama would be able to run up 40 points on them. I did not think that was going to happen. Uh, so those guys have to figure it out, get some guys step up. And, of course, Bubba Bolden, that silly, silly play. I think it was almost out of reach at that point anyway, but – can't do that. You're the leader. You're the best player on that defense. You have to be there for your guys. No doubt. And I think what was so baffling about Alabama, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, every other top team showed signs of we're reloading, we're, we're regrouping, right? This is the first game of the year. And Bama just didn't. And it's just, I guess, that Bama DNA. It's the way they scheme where they can get those athletes in space. They keep it simple, but get the athletes in space and let them run. And Bryce Young was so poised. God, I was so impressed with him. But we've talked about this all offseason. Like, Miami, look, if you lose this thing 44 to 10, if you lose this thing, which 44 to 13, pretty much, 
you've got to regroup and put it behind you and focus on your goals. And I think nine and three, 10 and two, still very attainable for Miami. What's interesting though, is you got to regroup quick. I think of Clemson, they have South Carolina State next week. North Carolina has Georgia State. These are cupcakes. Miami has App State, and then they have Michigan State. So they're, you know, they don't play a cupcake, a quote-unquote cupcake, until September 25th. So they've got to get it together, Mac. Yeah, that, that's something you and I discussed over the summer when we were kind of looking at these, doing these preview shows and looking at Miami is how are they going to react after this game? What, what is their season going to look like moving forward? And don't let Alabama beat you twice. Don't let Alabama beat you three times because you have two very difficult opponents in the non-conference coming up. Uh, an App State team that is very excited about this opportunity, and especially where you are, probably licking your wounds. Don't be, don't be looking in the rearview mirror uh, because they will sneak up on you in a hurry. And same thing for Michigan State. We saw a very impressive performance from Kenneth Walker III, transfer from Wake Forest to Michigan State, rushed for 260 yards and four touchdowns. So if you don't think that both of those teams are excited to play the U, uh, you've got another thing coming for you. Okay, Mac, let's hit on the rest of these games that have been completed so far this weekend and do a little speed round recap. Um, Let's start with the teams in the state of North Carolina that played on Thursday and Friday. NC State, you were at that game. I know you guys were, that atmosphere was awesome, and y'all did a great job on, on the huddle. And did you talk with Scotty McCreary about coming on the pod? Did you guys become buds? I, I spoke with Scotty. He actually followed me on uh, on the gram. Shout out Let's to Scotty go. McCreary. So maybe uh, maybe have him come on the podcast a little bit. But it, it was great. Yeah, it, it was great to be at NC State. Uh, the first ACC game of the year was a fantastic environment. Thursday night, uh, they were jacked up. They didn't leave at all either. I mean, it's forty five to zero with you know like five minutes left to play, and it was still packed out. So. Those guys were excited. Those fans were juiced up and you know, really welcomed us in with open arms. I, I don't, I'm not sure if you caught the show at all at halftime. They were loud. There, there was probably three, two, 300 people surrounding us at halftime. Yes, it looked really it was cool. awesome. It looked it was really awesome. great on TV. So super grateful for you guys coming in and supporting us. But love what I saw from that team. Uh, veteran team that you expect to see very clean, solid execution offensively. They did that. Uh, and then defense being able to put together a full shutout uh, against anybody is impressive, especially when you're rotating, bringing ones and twos and threes in the game. So I was very impressed with NC State. I think this defense, they've got a real shot uh, to, to be a really special group, of course, led by Isaiah Moore. was so impressed by seeing him in person and seeing him lead a group and command a group and, and being able to, you know, it's hard to see on TV, but when you're there and on the field and you can watch every movement that he does, he's such an alpha. It's incredible to watch him. And then Drake Thomas flying around, led the team in tackles, had a couple of tackles for loss, was really impressed with what I saw from him. But the biggest thing I think I'm excited about with this team, Kelly, Zonovan Knight, Ricky Person Jr., freaky. Both guys, 16 carries, uh, 150 all-purpose yards for Ricky Person, 163 uh, for Bam Knight and, and three touchdowns, four touchdowns between the two of them. Those guys looked amazing. And I get it. I understand the opponent they're going against, but those two are going to be really good this year. They are. I was excited for NC State. I thought it was a great showing. I was really excited to see the crowd and the support that State was getting from from their fans. Okay, Mac, two more North Carolina teams. Uh, the Deeks got it done. They covered against Old Dominion. They kind of turned off the offense a little bit in the second half, but I thought they looked great. Mac, 
I am so out on this Duke going over the win total because if you can't win at Charlotte, yikes. That was rough. Now, Charlotte had that place packed. I want to give Charlotte credit. That place was rocking. But that's really embarrassing, Mac. It's really embarrassing. It was. Let, let me start with Wake Forest because I was impressed with that offense as well, similar to NC State. Handling business, you know, looking really explosive in the passing game. Sam Hartman making some amazing throws. I mean, just dropping dimes and, you know, throwing it where only Quarry Roberson can get it, looking like a basketball player out there. Uh, and, and then Christian Bill Smith, just special and excited to see him as the main bell cow. And the defense, Kelly, stepping up big. The, the secondary for Wake Forest was, was impressive to watch. And I think that's going to be a really big piece for them in regards to getting to 9, 10, maybe 11 wins is that defense has to turn up. And we saw that from them again, understand the opponent. Duke, mm, you break my heart. Yikes. You hurt my feelings. Um, we guaranteed this as one of your wins. And you had the audacity yeah, we did. to lose at Jerry Richards Stadium. For the first time ever, Charlotte beats a Power 5 team. And it's you guys. Mm. So that's about all I have to say about that. You didn't turn the ball over a thousand times. Only two. Only yeah, two turnovers. Which is still baffling and one of them was a touchdown <laughs> force any uh, but I, I will say one more actually Mateo Durant all-time school record uh freaky he, he's he's a very special player um I think this is going to be the trend for Duke because he is all they got unfortunately and uh yeah it's, it's going to be a tough season for Duke I think someone go save Mateo next, next time he's on TV Mateo blink if you blink three times <laughs> we will send in a covert ops team to remove you from the situation just let us know. All right, Mateo. Honestly, Clemson could use you, buddy. So, <laughs> you're intrigued. Kelly's offer. recruiting. Kelly's recruiting, guys. <laughs> UNC could use him. Okay, yeah. back. Let's get to this Saturday slate. Let me just run through these games real fast. Boston College beat Colgate. It's a toothpaste. 51-0. Pitt beat UMass. 51-7. Syracuse beat Ohio. 29-9. Way to go, Cuse. UVA beat William and Mary 43-0. And there's a game that happened in Atlanta, but I'm not sure it really happened. Um, I don't know if we have to talk about it, but Northern Illinois beat Georgia Tech 22-21. Yikes. Uh, shout out ACC. What a big weekend. Uh, let's just run through a couple of these, or all of these. Um, love what I saw from Boston College. Super efficient. Uh, the defense turned up. Looked very... They look swaggy, Kelly. That, that didn't look like a Boston College defense. Yeah. That, that looked like a, a Florida State of past, a, a an Ohio State defense. Guys are rolling their shirts up, having their abs showing, and you know making pick sixes and big-time plays. Um, it, it was impressive to see. Loved what I saw from Phil Dracovic. 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, uh, lit just Zay Flowers all over these guys. What was impressive to see the run game, still concerning to me. Now, they had... 200 yards and almost 600 yards of total offense, but we've got to get that thing going. We can't have Phil Dracovic as our leading rusher. That's just, that's not going to happen. We don't need that to happen. And I think those guys will figure it out. But the offensive line looked fantastic and uh, a good start for Boston College. The, the one thing that I will say about these guys is there's almost, I think, going to be a, a false sense of sorts potentially because when you look at their schedule, very easy these next two games and then they go to Missouri uh that might be when we really figure it out okay is this team for real and, and are they going to be able to uh you know make some noise and get into the postseason so I'm excited but I'm having to temper my excitement just a little bit with Boston College Pittsburgh looked tremendous Kenny Pickett uh very 
just clean and executing at a really high level. Got in there for a couple of touchdowns. Was excited to see that because um, that's my biggest, I guess, if there if there's a critique on Kenny, I, I just need him to score. I just need him to get points and, and a good start throwing for two touchdowns, 600 yards uh, for Pitt and what they're able to do and getting everybody involved. They had nine rushers, Kelly, 11 pass catchers. So they got a bunch of guys in, were able to build some good depth and you know was impressed what we saw from them. Let's talk. I agree, Mac. Let's give Syracuse some credit. I know that we were both doubting Syracuse's ability to get the job done against Ohio, but they did. Shout out to the Cuse. They ran all over Ohio, 283 rushing yards for Syracuse. Love what I saw there. And the defense looked really, really good. So I think if there was a bright spot, that's what we talked about in the preseason the most was Sean Tucker and the defense and the 3-3-5 and what they were going to be able to do. So not sure if Cuse is going to be able to have that game plan and have any kind of effectiveness moving forward with, with Power 5 and ACC opponents. But if they are, hey, go win whatever way you can and, and uh, make it happen. So uh, you look at Georgia Tech, we're, we won't end with them. Um, Good call. Really disappointing first half uh, was just didn't look like a lot of effort, didn't look like a lot of excitement, didn't look like they wanted to be there. Um, my guy Jeff Sims gets hurt diving for a fumble and really had a couple of really bad plays before that. And so we hope he's okay and that he'll be back. Um, and then they get a little bit of a spark going into halftime. You know, with Jordan Yates coming in, uh, getting a big touchdown, going into the half, and you know, coming out in the second half and competing. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. Uh, a fantastic play call uh, by Northern Illinois and great drive, honestly, to go down there and close it out, and then to go for two and to say, guys, we're not leaving here without a win. Uh, just really amazing call and the confidence yeah. that that yeah. coach had in his players to to go and do that was inspiring and it was fun to see um but certainly disappointed for georgia tech and and thought that they would for sure win that game no doubt and then what about brennan armstrong brennan armstrong i know it's william and mary um a school named after two people but i thought <laughs> brennan armstrong was exceptional and he looked great and look here's the thing there, we've had quarterbacks all throughout this opening weekend that haven't looked great against mediocre competition. So if you do look great, I think you got to give them some credit, and that's what Brennan Armstrong did. Yeah, really sharp again. Kind of a, a trend here for these teams, these ACT, ACC teams that are, are doing what they're supposed to. Right. Uh, so love the fact that he was right at 340 yards, a couple of touchdowns. The one concern, if, if there's a concern to have in a 43-0 to victory, um, is the run attack. I'm looking at the leading rushers, quarterback, running back, quarterback. We we have to get more production from the running back specific position. And the leading rusher in general, in terms of attempts, was another quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, with seven and only had, guess how many, zero yards. So it's going to be something that Virginia just has to have production from an RB, not a QB, not a hybrid in, in Keaton Thompson that does everything. I need Wayne Talapapa. I need uh, Walker Jr. to step up and say, hey, we can contribute. We can do some things here and there. Uh, defense looked great. Joey Blunt and the boys in the backfield looked much improved. Um, so excited to see Virginia. Excited to see them keep building. And how about just looking at these teams, Kelly, with shutouts. Shutouts all across the board for ACC teams. NC State got a shutout. Uh, the big Boston College got a shutout. And then Virginia as well. So impressive to see week one. Uh, in the books, and uh, it was a great weekend of football. 
So here's what I will add here, Eric Mackline. First of all, we ta- you're talking about the production from RBs. The best RB in the league, perhaps, is trapped on Duke's team. So it's, again, I feel for him. Blink three times if you need <laughs> out. But I-, I think here's the bottom line. And I think we have done this in the past. And I'm really trying, as an analyst, as a college football fan in general, to slow down and slow my roll after week one. I think everyone wants to panic. Everyone wants to freak out after week one, whether you're a Clemson Or get overexcited or, or get fan. just super jacked up. Yes, yes. Or the other side, right? Virginia Tech. We're going 12-0. And, and I don't know if many Virginia Tech fans are thinking that. But I think, you know, we do this every year, and then sometimes it doesn't matter. Virginia Tech fans know this all too well. They beat Ohio State. In week one or week two, a couple years ago, Ohio State went on to win the national title. So I think everyone needs to chill a little bit. A, I'm just so glad football's back. It was a really fun weekend, despite some key losses from ACC teams. It was still a great weekend, and and I enjoyed it a bunch, and I think a lot of our listeners did as well. But it's it's so cliche, but it is a long season. Everyone needs to take a deep breath. And, Mac, you know from experience with how much the teams you were on improved from week one to week 12 like one week does not make a season and so I think I just wanted to end with that and tell people to, to chill out just a little bit yeah and you look at the irony of the situation but in back in 2014 Clemson played Georgia first lost got embarrassed honestly uh, and then later that year by the end of it had the number one defense in the country and so it, it is nuts how Things can progress and, and wake-up calls can occur and, and teams that started off great can end up you know, losing out the, the, for remainder of the season. So it's a long one. It's going to be a great one. So excited it's back. So excited there's fans in the stands um, and that we'll get out a couple of times and get to see you guys. But that's it from this episode of Gramlick and McLean. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.